Welcome back, 97.5, 1280, The Zone of The Zone Sports Network. Hey, don't forget, uh, <clears throat> go to the Ford Fan Zone next time that you enjoy a Utah Jazz game. Level 6, free Papa Shot games, cornhole, foosball tables, enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, socializing with friends. You get like unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, all that good stuff. So go to the Ford Fan Zone. Tickets start as low as $37. Great way to enjoy the game. Another great way to enjoy the game, listening to Utah Jazz Basketball on the Zone Sports Network. And the voice of the Jazz is David Locke joining us here. David, how's it going, man? Good, but we don't give you free hot dogs and free nachos and free peanuts, so I think the Ford fan zone's way better. <laughs> well, yeah. I just said another way to enjoy a Jazz game yeah. is that way. You I, know? Don't, I, don't think I don't think it's close. Uh, I've noticed that you've started taking free advice, though, from uh, everyone's favorite Twitter troll, Jimbo Redding. On some of your calls. I think he's funny. He's so he's funny, funny, isn't he? Yeah. He's great. He's very creative. He's clever. Very talented. <laughs> He'd be a good stand up comedian. I, yeah. I mean, he might, he might have, like, you know, might be a Cyclops for all I know. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, the road trip so far, I mean, the Jazz uh, pulling it off the way that they did against Chicago and a very business-like fourth quarter against Orlando. It's one thing to be winning games and, and to take 10 out of 11. It's another thing to be discovering a few things as you go along through the process. In your eyes, as you've been around this team, been calling the games, been courtside for it all, what do you feel like the Jazz have been able to discover during the stretch of winning? And they're really playing brilliantly offensively. I mean, they're playing their offensive game right now. It's very, very good. They've played good defensive teams recently. The Clippers, the Bulls, the Magic are all elite-level defensive teams and have pretty good offensive games. So I think they're discovering what their strengths are. They're discovering how to move the ball. They're discovering spacing. Um, you know, I thought the Orlando game was interesting because it felt like the Jazz got really hot from three. You know, I'd say, well, it's a make-or-miss league, and the Jazz got really hot. Actually... They shot their season average, you know. They shot 40% by the end of the night. So there's a little bit of a level on this team that if they can go get 35, 43s up every night, it's a lot. Um, but if they can get those threes up every night, you know, it's the, the lot more you shoot, the more likely you are to get to your season average. And their season average is the best in the NBA right now at about 39%. It's the best in franchise history as well. So if they can, you know, I think that's, you know, the moving the ball and getting those looks and getting those shots and having, you know, really good shooters on the floor is making a big difference. A few games back, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, it would have had to have been during the coaches' show uh, ahead of the game. You asked Quinn Snyder about Donovan's handle and how much it has improved, and he pointed out Donovan's footwork uh, as being key to that. Uh, could you could you expound on that a little bit for us and our audience? Why his footwork uh, is is so tied to his handle improving so much, and then of course his scoring from there. Well, I honestly would ask you to go maybe in the next segment, or if you have time today, to replay that answer because it's so much better than anything I could ever tell you. Hmm. Um, and I would just be trying to paraphrase because it had never crossed my mind. But that was the answer. That's where the being able to talk to coach every night before a game and just the access that we get with this team is so fabulous that you just learn so much. And I, I had I had no idea that that was even a thought that like his handle would be related to his footwork in that way. And maybe I just didn't play enough as a kid. But um, I was it was awesome. So if you can find that, it was a home game. Um, is my memory. So when I asked that question, I can kind of visually remember sitting in coach's office. So I would suspect that's the, one of the two last home games if you get a chance. And it was the second question of that, uh, if that helps uh, Jake try to find it at all. I know it's up on the Utah Jazz Radio podcast, uh, which has Quinn Snyder's coach's show. 
Jazz Game Rewind and the full radio broadcast available for everybody after games, as well as um, uh, utahjazz.com slash lockdownjazz. We'll have to find that. When coming into the season, I was curious if certain players off the bench could take a notable step forward that they were capable of. One of those guys I was curious about was George Niang. Behind the scenes, incredible work that he's put in. Uh, whether it was his time in the G League and then while he's been with the Utah Jazz, he traveled with them during the postseason there and the series against Houston two years ago and last year. Now, being on the floor a little more, he hasn't just been out there and putting in minutes. He's had some really productive stretches. What are you seeing kind of from him and from the team collectively that has helped him uh, kind of flourish in the last few games? How remarkable is this one? So, one, it's just another example of the Jazz organization that was creating a player. I know the player creates the player, but, you know, they saw something. He was, Indiana had released him. Uh, they had him in the G League. He wasn't, you know, thought of at that point as an NBA player. Um, and then he's evolved his game. I mean, he was the second all-time leading scorer at Iowa State, so he can put the ball in the basket, but he's had to evolve how he does it. And then the other one, Tony, that just blows me away, Austin, is, you know, he wasn't very good before they released Jeff Green, at least statistically. I mean, he was shooting it okay, but, like, when we were on, he was on the floor, we weren't good. Um, his defensive numbers both the last two years have not been very good. And yet, somehow, the coaching staff has such, um, such an elite understanding of what's taking place and how players' roles are that they understood that moving him to the four was going to make us better, and then they had enough respect for Jeff Green that, you know, hey, we're not going to play you in DP, CD, DMP, you, then, you know, we're going to really, we'll let you go. That's in 14 years in your career. That's not why you signed a free agent contract to play with us was to not play. Mm. And so, so they released Jeff and they turned that job over to George knowing, and they somehow knew, and now a lot of other things took place, right? Like it allowed Tony Bradley to start, George Clarkson comes in, but there's just an understanding of how their system works, what you're asking out of each player. And, um, at the same time, what what their skill set needs to be that they understood that Georgia's skill set matched that power forward position the way we play it at a perfect level compared to when he was playing the three. It just didn't look very good. I, I, I really am kind of blown away by um, how well that's worked so far, just because it wasn't working before, and I and I don't I don't see the game at that level. Uh, similarly, what, where do you think Emmanuel Moutier has progressed the most over almost that same period of time, David? He's been amazing. Um, he's playing the game so smart. Uh, early on, I mean, if you go back and watch one of our first five or ten games, I, I don't, I, I think it'd be hard for people to watch right now. Um, and it was kind of foreign for us too, right? Um, it just wasn't the kind of player we're used to having, and it wasn't the kind of player that. Um, and the approach that we're used to seeing. And, and Emmanuel's works are my favorite part of shoot around today was Emmanuel Moutier telling Rajon Tucker where to go on, you know, some things like he mm. just reached that level that he's now explaining to other people um, where to go. He's been really good. He's been really under control. He's understanding his strengths. He's, he get, he's still a bucket getter, but he's, he actually recognizes teammates every now and then recently. Um, so he's, I mean, I think it's, it's a neat story to see, um, and on, on this one, the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit, but I might give it to Emmanuel. Like, Emmanuel came in ears open, eyes open. Um, and it just, you know, until he had done the other stuff to be able to, and then didn't fight it. So um, I think he just, I, I really just give him the credit. On, I mean, the coaching staff deserves a ton of credit, but I, I really want to give Emmanuel a huge, huge doppel of that credit because he's the one who came in with the intention of getting better and has done so. 
All right, you and I had the chance to watch Favors grow up. Uh, I had the chance with just some of the home games. You had the chance in that day-to-day operation with traveling and all of that, uh, as well as just to practice shoot arounds. In my opinion, five and ten years from now, people will look back at what I think will be a you know a great jazz organization with a ton of winning winning seasons and a great culture with Quinn Snyder and all that. But they'll look back at certain players who aren't on the team anymore as being very important to the process of helping them get to that point. In your eyes, what should be remembered most about Derek Favors in that process, and how has that manifested itself now? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's Derek is just Derek just kind of grew up with us, and I think so. He was probably the first player to go through the player development program, but also just trying to you know turn the organization into a place where players wanted to be. Um, and it just was a perfect fit for him in a lot of ways in his career and his personality. And then he dealt with a lot of different aspects in the sense that, you know, Rudy came into his own and became the best defensive center in the world. And so his role changed and that wasn't the easiest transition for him, but by the end he, he embraced it fully. Um, there were some bumps in the road there, but that's natural. And, and he, you know, and, and he really just, you know, became a, a kind of a stalwart of the franchise. I think, you know, franchises have players who, you know, you remember more and like more than the outside world understands. And I think that's what Derek Favors would be for Utah. Did you see Montrez Harrell's comments about the Clippers and the locker room and, and what's going on there? Um, I, give, me, give them to me. I mean, I saw a headline. I did not see the comments. Yeah, I, he, he, he essentially said that uh, this is a, a first-year team together. You guys got to stop expecting us to be world champions right now. It's not that. It's our first time together. And then someone asked him, are there problems in the locker room? And he said there might be something to that. And I was just curious to, to understand and grasp where you now view the Clippers in the, in the power rankings of the West compared to where the Jazz might sit. Well, I think I view the Clippers as one if, or two. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not there. Hard to guess, but you know, Montrez and Lou and Zubak and all those guys were there last year, and they had kind of an identity and a personality to who they were, um, and had moderate success getting the I think eighth seed and losing to the Warriors. Um, but they. But they had a they had a grit and a grind and kind of an essence to who they were and now they're very different right now they're Kawhi's team. Um, Paul probably wants his attention, but it's Kawhi's team and Kawhi's program and Kawhi's organization. And if you talk to people around the league, they talk that it's really you know that's dramatically true. Um, and then you have you know Paul George taking a game off for his hamstring and Kawhi taking his game off, and that's you know uh, as much as you understand that you're playing for April. I think that's got to be a bit frustrating for some of the guys in regards to um, the fact that they, you know, that they know that there's, you know, I don't know, they're, you know, Montrez is busting his butt every night and probably beat up a little bit and fighting through some things. And then all of a sudden, you know, PG and, and Kawhi are getting their days off. I think that's a tough chemistry mix. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I think they are a first year team and every team goes through these storms. So, um, you know, we certainly had ours earlier this year and fought through it. So I'm sure they'll do the same. And, you know, they've played the Lakers twice and kicked the crap out of them both times. So yeah. I think they're number one on the power rankings. Yeah, the good news is Montrez Harrell said the Clippers are not a great team. And I think he's right right now. The bad news is they're capable of being the best team and they're honest and knowledgeable about underperforming. I'd, I'd rather them take the approach the Clippers took with Blake, DeAndre, and Chris Paul <laughs> and the approach the Thunder took with uh, PG and Russell Westbrook, right? Where 
they are underperforming compared to how great they could be. Yeah, true. But they are not, you know, really, really honest about it. I thought that. So hearing him say that, I was like, dang it. I was hoping you'd take the whole, that, hey, it'll yeah. come, it'll come, we're fine, everybody's yeah. good. <laughs> hey, David, before we let you go, how is how how could Tony Parks improve his ball toss well, to Ron Boone about? here? Uh, you, you see it better than I see it every single Three night. Three of my last four, four of my last five, uh, or something like that. I was going to say, I, like, I, I think this is one of those things you shouldn't be talking about because you don't want to jinx the oh. streak. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, then he does want to talk about it because that's, that's how he works. Yeah, we don't need right, the ego pretty, to be bigger. He's pretty strong right now. Okay. Now, again... <laughs> There needs to be the efficiency yes. check of if the leak right leads to hitting thorough versus <laughs> hitting harp. Mm-hmm. I've noticed Tony is definitely scared of harping. Uh-huh. And if he leaks it right in, 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 in thoroughs, that he seems to be able to push right comfortably when thoroughs there, usually then hitting Ron. If, if Matt is there, the efficiency seems to be lower with um, a tendency to leak my direction. Okay. Well, when I have missed, I've missed way left. <laughs> Your left, David's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah yes. Because right, uh, which is my side. And yes. if you notice, Harpering is always there. And I don't know if you know this, but Matt used to be a football player. I have to. Oh, yeah. In high school, yeah. I have to stop playing so safe. Yeah. Is, is what I need to do. I just need well, to. I think have you, I think you're a little concerned about a six foot nine Matt Harpering coming after you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's something there. David, thanks so much, man. Have a great call tonight. Thurl, oh, go ahead. Thurl, Thurl would just sit down with you and ask you about your inadequacies and how could he make you better. <laughs> how can I help you? Up. Yeah, yep. Matt would give you a, a wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, like so, at center court. The clear intimidation factor of Matt Harpering is showing the one flaw in Tony's otherwise near-perfect game. It's, it's been good. I've had a good stretch. Thanks again, David. We appreciate you, man. All right, see you guys. See Thanks. You.